Welcome to this week's edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Hume, and I'm here to take you through the very latest news and views, hints, tips, and tricks to help you on your property journey. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers Podcast. I hope you're well today. Lots of news for you, starting with the general news. And then I thought this week I'd come out with some things that I've learned over the years from my uh, long 58 years on the planet, um, my experiences through property and other things that have helped me to uh, recount and remember because the best way to move forward is to reflect on what's happened in the past. So I've give you a few of my uh, handy hints and I hope you find them useful and interesting. But first of all, the important thing, let's get back into what we're all about and that's the property market. Some headlines this week that caught my eye. The first one was in the Telegraph, popularity of tracker deals rises. Now, if you are interested in mortgages and you're worried about them right now, as many of us are, don't forget to check out last week's podcast with the fantastic Nicola McKenzie of DM Mortgages, where we talked for the whole show about mortgages and the various uh, deals, what's out there, what to do and what not to do. She was fantastic, and we look forward to having her back on the podcast. So the Telegraph reports brokers are saying, and this is not financial advice, of course, that borrowers are moving to tracker mortgages at the highest rate in more than a decade. Borrowers are betting interest rate rises will reverse next year and they will be able to lock into a fixed rate lower than today's prices. The average two-year tracker rate is 4.1% compared with a typical two-year fixed rate of 6.42%, equal to a £273 a month saving on a £200,000 mortgage. Nathan Riley of 27 Tech said, it seems borrowers are keen to see how the market settles and are therefore attracted by the additional flexibility a tracker can offer. And of course, with a tracker, quite often, there's no redemption penalty, meaning you don't have to pay to come away. And that can be a real problem if you're locked into a fix. The Daily Express reports that monthly property transactions have fallen. Um, new research reveals that the average level of monthly property transactions over the last six months fell by almost a quarter compared compare with the last six months, that is. Analysis by property purchasing specialist House Buyer Bureau said that in the last six months, an average of 61,600 homes have been sold across the UK on a monthly basis, and that is 23.8% fewer than sold in the previous six months. The Northeast has witnessed the largest decline with a 32.5% drop in transaction levels. And I should hasten to add, this is about transaction levels, not prices. It doesn't mean prices have fallen. <laughs> it just means that the level of transactions is down. Because, of course, for property, trans for property prices to fall, it would require that there was an oversupply of property. And what we're finding is that in many instances, people are deciding not to sell and just holding fire and indeed not to buy as well. But certainly the supply of property has not significantly increased so that uh, the market has dropped off as yet. Uh, although managing director of House Buyer Bureau said it's only a matter of time before they start to forward more buyers being deterred from entering the market, sellers will start to find they simply can't expect to secure the same price as they would during the dizzying heights of the pandemic market boom. Um, apart from that, we have an article that caught my eye in the Times. Developers are offering money towards buyers' mortgages and energy bills. And it says that developers are offering thousands of pounds towards buyers' mortgages and energy bills to try to prevent the decline in sales of new homes. The developer Fairview in Essex is offering to cover the difference between a 2.25% and a 5.92% mortgage for two years. 
that's quite significant, offering buyers a £29,448 saving on homes costing half a million pounds. Uh, other developers offering to help are Barrett uh, with costs and subsidiary David Wilson Homes giving 15000 towards mortgage costs. Apart from that, we have housing emerging as the biggest area of unmet legal need. This is in the Law Gazette, and lawyers have suggested that housing is the most prevalent area of unmet legal need. Um, people want advice and, and can't get it. There just aren't enough lawyers out there to help them. The number of repossessions has gone up significantly. Uh, this is an article in The Independent. It says figures from the Ministry of Justice reveal that mortgage repossessions have increased compared with the same period last year. Uh, although there's still a Historically, quite low levels. Um, Keir Starmer, the Labour leader, Sir Keir Starmer, said that although economic turmoil sparked by the trust mini budget had hit prospective first time buyers, the instability caused by that kamikaze mini budget had trashed the economy. Uh, estate agents are coercing buyers to use their mortgage brokers. Now, this is something that we find a lot in the industry, and it's something that you, uh, if you're looking to buy, should always watch for and be very careful about. Many of the large estate agency chains actually insist that you chat to their mortgage brokers before they'll put forward the offer in a positive way for you. So it's almost like a bribe. You know, yes, we'll put forward the offer for you because we're legally obliged to do so. But if you want us to recommend it, you should speak to our broker. Therefore, he can recommend that you're in a position to go. Of course, the idea is it's an opportunity for that broker to see if they can get your business. Uh, and it can be used as uh, a bribe. And it is actually illegal. Um, my advice to you, if you're a buyer and you're in this position where they're insisting that you speak to their broker, then I personally would advise you speak to that broker and provide them with the information that they've requested and then do your own thing anyway, unless they come out with a substantially better offer than you already have. And the reason for that is that actually you want your mortgage to be independent of the agent in most cases. And you certainly want to make sure that you're getting the best possible deal, which is why independent financial advisors are so valuable. Craig Fish, director at Lodestone Mortgages and Protection, said in the past month, I've experienced two clients who I lost because they felt pressured to use the agent's broker. It's really not right that uh, estate agents use this as a, a stick to beat buyers with. And as I say, it is illegal under the um, conditional selling uh, under the Estate Agents Act. It says buyers cannot be discriminated against or misrepresented misrepresented and the agents are obligated to put all offers forward to the vendor in writing within 24 hours unless the seller has advised them otherwise but of course it's how they put those offers forward um, you want it put forward in a positive light therefore uh, for many especially some um, less experienced agents uh, the negotiator that you're dealing with may well put that offer forward in a very negative light and may say something along the lines of, well, they wouldn't speak to our broker, so we're not sure whether their mortgage is arranged correctly, even if you provide something like an agreement in principle. So I would say if you have to do it, then do it. Um, but don't necessarily, well, I certainly say don't necessarily, don't at all feel pressure to use their broker. Private renters are twice as likely as homeowners to have anxiety. I'm not sure that's true with the current interest rate rises, but I'm, I'm sure that um, there are plenty of people out there that are anxious both on the uh, landlord side and on the tenant side for sure. Um, and apart from that tax, now this is a big one, and this is in the Telegraph and the Mail this week. Jeremy Hunt, of course we have this coming up on the 17th of November, um, is reportedly planning a major shakeup of the capital gains tax to increase revenues from the current 10 billion a year. Whitehall has said that the Chancellor is set to halve the £12,300 tax-free allowance. 
to over 6,000 and also raise the rate of tax paid on gains made above the threshold. Currently, higher rate taxpayers pay a 20% rate on assets such as shares and 28% on residential property like second homes. Basic rate taxpayers pay 10% on investments and 18% on residential property. Treasury officials have drawn up options for raising each of the rates, but ministers have yet to decide how high they should go. So it looks like it's coming. It's just a question of how high they go. However, critics, including Jacob Rees-Mogg, have warned that increasing the tax risks landlords leaving the market and damaging the wider economy. Chris Etherington of RSM said, a halving of the capital gains tax annual exemption will be seriously bad news for homeowners and landlords. He added, at a time when homeowners are likely to find it harder to sell their property, we could find more people becoming accidental landlords, as we did after the financial crash, forced to rent out their homes in the meantime. When they eventually sell, they could find they're stung with a capital gains tax bill on the sale, which would have otherwise been exempt. Well, that's very true. Uh, it be interesting to see what happens. Of course, we will report and dissect that when it arrives. Apart from that, what else do we have going on? Well, I promised you that I'd give you some of my notes of things that I found helpful over the years when it comes to property and life in general. And I just wanted to give you a few of those and hope they help you on your property and life journey. Um, the first one is I find it really useful to steal an hour in the morning. And what I mean by that is set the alarm, get into whatever you do early and get an hour where you're alone with your thoughts and prepared for the day ahead. And that means just having some silent time because silent time can give you the time to reflect, think and prepare for the day ahead and make sure that you're organized for what's going on. So steal an hour in the morning and use that hour to decide, plan and prepare your thoughts for the day. I find that really useful. And that hour I find invaluable. I find I get more done in that one hour in the morning sometimes than it feels like I get done for the rest of the day. So try and put an hour aside. If you don't have one, set the alarm clock early, get up early, get into work early. Or if you're a night owl, do it the other end of the clock. Have an hour at the end of the day when you can do the same thing. For me, being a morning person, I like getting up and getting organized. Second thing, never assume anything about people from how they look, what they do or how they speak. People always have the capacity to surprise, delight or disappoint in equal measure. You know, over the years, we've dealt with some people who on the outside appear like, for instance, they can't afford to buy or to sell. And some people would take the view that they are a waste of time. Um, we never take that view here because we know all people are individuals and you have to respect the way they are and the way they appear. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's who they are from how they appear or indeed what they do. Um, and that comes with me on to my next point, which is one that I always love. And that is any fool can condemn or complain and criticize. And constantly most fools do. Uh, the other thing I found over the years is as a boss, you will not always be liked. Get used to it and get over it. Um, arguing with people. Now, this is something that I find never works. If you find yourself about to get into one, I don't think there's anything wrong with a robust discussion. And I do think that there's a real danger these days with Facebook and the other social media channels that we find ourselves in an echo chamber. Uh, that is one where our thoughts and our um, approach to things is similar to those around us because we, our peer group is very similar to ourselves. I actually think it's really, really useful to be around people that don't necessarily have the same uh, views as you. But you don't have to have an argument about it. It can be a robust discussion. When it gets to argument, I think that's the time to politely walk away, hang up or change the subject and realize that, you know, to see things through other people's eyes is the key to success in everything. I really do believe that. In other words, when you're speaking to someone, 
Try and appreciate their situation by the helicopter view. Come out of your own body. Imagine yourself coming out of your own body and slipping into theirs and thinking, right, if I were in their position now, what would I do? How would I feel? What emotions would I be feeling? And why are they approaching this in the way they're approaching it? And it will give you a much better understanding of where they're coming from and help you to approach it in a way that they will understand. Always try and approach any issue by firstly fully understanding the other person's point of view. And that goes for property negotiations and life in general, I think. Uh, and really on the planning again with the steel an hour one, always plan what you intend to achieve both short and long term, because if you don't know where you're going, how will you ever get there? You can't teach stupid. Um, we all start from a place of ignorance and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but there are some people that don't want to learn, don't want to know and never will. And if you find yourself in that situation, rather than again, getting into those argumentative situations, if you keep banging your head off a wall, then realize, take a deep breath. It's time to move on. When employing people, I think this is a really important one, employ people with the will, even if that means you have to teach the skill. In other words, if people are motivated to really do well, then if they don't have the skill levels, but they're really, really keen, in my experience, they are far better at things like selling. So for instance, you might get what we would call a slick Rick, somebody that looks great and they're great on the phone and people love them when they speak to them. But by the same token, those people can be quite often prima donnas um, and not really humble. And that humility can make you a much better negotiator. So you can be good at sales and be a poor negotiator uh, because you're obstinate or not humble. And you need to have humility if you're going to understand things from other points of view. And if you're going to understand things from other points of view, then you're going to be a better negotiator. So I always say employ people with the will to learn and that will mean that they're more motivated. I quite often find that people that perhaps aren't as skillful or aren't quite as articulate are much more driven. And that drive is what will make them more successful because when that slick Rick has decided to give up for the day at five o'clock, that person with a drive, will and determination, they'll still be on the phone. They'll still be doing deals consistently and persistently over a period of time because they want to do it. So having the will is the most important thing when employing people. The other thing I think is really important is most people just want to be heard. So make sure that not just talking to people, but you're listening. This is more important than the skill of talking. And if you listen to most conversations, you'll find people interject over each other all the time. Make sure when you're having a conversation, that conversation is not more than 50% you. And make sure, if possible, you can tone that down to even less than 50%. The other thing is everyone wants a deal in property and everything else, really. So never bear, never think that people don't want a deal. They always want the best deal. And there are ways of winning and there are ways of losing. Everybody wants to feel like they've won. What you never want, really, is a win-lose or a lose-win. What I mean by that is one party to feel like they've given so much away that they've lost and the other person has won. Um, and that can go either way. It could be a buyer that's offered so much that they now feel that they've overbid on the property, or it could be a seller that's given away so much that they feel like they've undersold the property. That's never a nice feeling. You always want both parties to feel like they've got a fair deal out of the situation. That's what I call a win-win. And I think that's really important for a good, solid negotiation and a real good, solid house or flat sale. The next thing, never delay bad news, but always deliver it with empathy. You know, one of the worst things can be when somebody's ready for their move and then at the last minute a buyer withdraws um, and it's awful. It's shocking. It's emotionally 
destroying for families sometimes. And so never delay it. You've got to, you've got to own it. Um, you've got to take that rock and you've got to really make sure that you deal with that there and then, but never deliver it in a cold, hard fashion. You have to realize how that person feels. Again, it's about slipping into that person's thoughts and thinking, how would I feel if I were them? Measure your life in summers. This is a funny one, but I have found in recent years, as I get older now, I'm 58. If you think about summers, um, then actually life seems much shorter. You think how many summers you've got left, maybe 20, 30, who's to say maybe one. But if you think about summers rather than years, somehow it makes you realize that your life is much shorter than you realize. And therefore you focus on what's important. One of the other things that's really important to me that you might find helpful years ago, I know I'm, I'm being a bit philosophical today, but I've got a bit of artistic license because there's not that much in the property news. It will be next week after the mini budget, we give you some more property news. So bear with me on this. But years ago, I was in a dinner with some good friends and a guy that I particularly admired had started his own company. And that company had become extremely successful and it was based in Chelsea, had many famous clients and I was very much in awe of this guy. And when we went round for dinner one day, my wife and I, we had young children, had the sitter in, their children were grown up and I was talking to his wife about their children and his wife said, well, of course, he didn't know the children. I said, sorry, what do you mean he didn't know the children? She said, no, no, he does now, um, but they're more like friends because as they were growing up, he didn't really know them because he was so busy with work and everything else. Um, and that really shocked me. The thought that I only had a finite amount of time to be with my children before they were adults. And before I knew it, we would have a different relationship, more like friends than actual uh, father-son or father-daughter relationships. And what it drove me to do was actually work less so that I could spend some quality time with my children. And it's something that I've never regretted. And even today, we look back now, my children are now in their late twenties. Um, we look back now and we laugh about the times we shared together, uh, by making sure that we allocated time. I had one day a week where I would play ice hockey with my son and go out and play matches with him and ended up assistant coaching down at Streatham. And then I had one day a week where I'd be with my daughter and we'd go and play the sax together. And she, she and I learned sax. She long gave up as we got older and I carried on going and still play today. Um, but I do think that spending time with your family is never a wasted investment. And even if it means you get less cash in your pocket, it's time you'll never get back. Uh, bad times. I think it's important to talk about bad times right now because I think we're in, they say recession has just started and I agree with that. And I don't think it's going to get any better anytime soon. Uh, it will end um, and usually sooner than you expect. I know bad times are really tough and, you know, it's easy to say, um, but it will end. I think this is going to take a while personally. Um, and I think the best thing that you can do is really look at your own situation and what's within your control to do such as looking at your interest rates, looking at your portfolio. What can you do? Can you refinance? Can you maybe sell one to consolidate another? What works for you and your family? Can you increase the rent in order to protect yourself? There are always things that actions that you can take. Inaction is a choice, as Nicola McKenzie said last week when it comes to property and, and especially finance. If you choose to do nothing, that's a choice and that can come back and bite you. It's always best to review things, even if that review is hard. Um, Step out of your comfort zone. This is something I like to do. Uh, different things. It could be jumping out of a plane. It could be 
doing something that you've never done before. But I really do think that when you step out of your comfort zone, you feel alive. So remember to do something that steps you out of your comfort zone and always find something that you have to look forward to both short and long term. I think everybody should have that. It might be that you're meeting with friends this week. It might be that you're going for a run. It might be something as simple as going for a walk with a wife or going on holiday or a short break, whatever it is. You should always have something that's a target that you can look forward to short term and indeed longer term as well, so that there's something that keeps you optimistic about the future because it's tough in times of recession. Um, If you have the time and you're not sure what you should be doing, reach out to your family and friends even if there's been a dispute, as tomorrow's never promised. And the amount of people I know that have lost loved ones over the pandemic that just wish they'd had a last conversation is very, very sad. So if you can, reach out to your family and friends um, because tomorrow's never promised. I think that's a really important one as well. Look after yourself. You can't look after others unless you're physically, mentally and spiritually well. So do make sure that you look after yourself because you won't be able to help others unless you do. And finally, Something that I like, a saying that I really like from Mario Puzo, and that is the strength of a family, like the strength of an army, lies in its loyalties to each other. Um, So that's my list of philosophical hints and things I've found useful over the years, and I hope you do too. Uh, Not so much about property this week. In terms of the week ahead, we've got this announcement next week. I think the most important thing and the most significant thing is obviously the – the budget announcement, and that's coming up next week. And as soon as that's happened, we can break it down for you. But the most significant thing appears to be the capital gains tax and where that's leading. And we will advise you right here on the Property Buyer and Sellers podcast. So thanks for listening, as always. Hope you have a fantastic week. Look after yourselves. And if you can, your family and friends. Ciao. Thank you so much for joining us on yet another edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers podcast. You can find out more at our website, jamesalexander.com. You can email me directly, ken at jamesalexander.com. We are estate agents and we can give you hints, tips, tricks and advice wherever you're buying, selling, moving to or from. Thanks to Ben Sounds for the intro and outro today and thanks to Jack Bowles for production. 